0: This podcast is brought to you by Illuminate, the Lehigh Business Blog. To learn more, please visit us at business.lehigh.edu slash news.
1: Welcome, I'm Rob Girth, Director of Marketing Communications at Lehigh University's College of Business. Today is March 27th, 2020, and we're talking with Josh Erig about what it's like for startups or even probably small businesses in the middle of this pandemic. Josh is a professor of practice in the Department of Management in the College of Business at Lehigh University. He is teaching undergrad and graduate. He teaches courses in entrepreneurship, strategy, and innovation, and tells me that previously he was a serial tech entrepreneur. Welcome, Josh.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me, Robert.
1: Let's start with um, a quote I read on the Internet. If your business model today looks the same as it did at the beginning of the month, you're in denial, and possibly out of business. What's your reaction to that?
0: Yeah, I mean,
1: <laughs> so
0: your business models should be continuously evolving as a startup, regardless of the macro environment. Uh, you know, most uh, startups are in that search stage, not the execution where they're searching for product market fit, searching for a viable business model. So Quite frankly, startups should, you know, always have some kind of continuous feedback mechanism across the value chain. I think it's really important. Uh, I think that's actually important for all companies, but specifically startups where, you know, you have that kind of, you know, much uh, reduced time and, and resources involved. And, and I think that's kind of what we've been seeing a lot, Rob, with a lot of the literature that's been coming out uh, related to COVID nineteen and and you know, startups in general, and there's really a paradox going on uh, in this situation in that you know, generally startups have some kind of product market fit right? where you know, they, they've identified a specific market uh, and, and have a product slash service to, to address with that market, and, and their goal really is to scale at that point, and that's really where venture capital funding comes in. Uh, And this becomes more of a high growth kind of high customer acquisition cost proposition. So you've probably seen this with companies, maybe companies, you know, like Uber, Lyft or, you know, some of those tech related companies where the acquisition costs are high, but their market uh, share being number one in the market potential is very high as well. But now the attention's on extending runway, right? Runway meaning the amount of cash flow uh, you have uh, remaining as as a company, and it's all about cash flow, right? So, you know, reducing the net burn, right? What you bring, uh, what you bring in versus what you bring out, and it's really become about client preservation. Robert, I uh, one of the companies I'm, I'm advi- on the advisory board for. Um, they lost about a quarter of their bookings in one day uh, about two weeks ago. And they went from, you know, complete client expansion to complete client preservation. So really, we've, we've seen the risk-reward pendulum kind of swing in the opposite direction. And, and really, you know, startups are kind of entering what, what we call nuclear winners.
1: What, what do you call it? Nuclear winters? Oh, nuclear. Win-
0: <laughs> yeah. So it, it's definitely not something I've come up with, but uh, you know, essentially, you know, entrepreneurship is really hard. Uh, let alone all this additional adversity, right? So, in this environment, your your projected lifetime value, uh, you know, of a customer may not be realized uh, at least as fast as you'd want it to be, right? And and that's where the burn rate and runway becomes more of an issue and as a result you may need to not only reduce headcount but also your, your customer acquisition uh, costs and and actually be smart with your marketing sales spend to keep the you know CAC to LTV ratio viable uh, you know though it, it's once again it's a paradox right because the the customer acquisition costs you'll feel you, you, you likely want to try to increase it to gain market share over the long run and and enhance lifetime value of that customer. So really it's become about sustaining high growth versus preservation. And, and you know, uh, Sequoia Capital, one of the larger VC firms out there, uh, at least one of the the most uh, well-known in a sense given its history, uh, just wrote a post on on Corona being the, the black swan of, of 2020. And, and we've, you know, we've seen this play out before. I think Sequoia had a similar letter to investors uh, as as well as um, LPs back during the financial
1: uh, recession of two thousand eight two thousand nine. And do I remember? Did you tell me that you had you were you were a startup at that time, right? You were you were running a startup.
0: Yeah. So I've 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 helped uh, co-found or. or Build or advise uh, various companies. One was actually in 2009. And and it's really interesting because, you know, even though you have this crisis acceleration happening, there's all these kind of resultant structural changes, both economic, you know, social, psychographics, political, uh, that really create large opportunities, right? Uh, But, you know, of course, this can be really, really challenging because at the same time, you know, it becomes all about having this more lean mentality, uh, you know, where, where you don't have a lot of capital uh, or the ability to employ capital. And, uh, but once again, that creates opportunity because you, you know, you, you see technological innovation you see these societal shifts that are occurring that help create this opportunity. And at least in technology, Robert, at least, you know, from, from my perspective, We've seen this with the .dot com bubble, right? It kind of sparked some of those Web 2.0 companies that, that you probably use every day now, uh, like a LinkedIn, like a Facebook. Uh, during the 2008 2009 recession, uh, you know, you see the convergence of, of a lot of different things, such as you know, uh, the economy took a downturn. All of a sudden, you know, we we went from we went from, uh, we went from in, good times to bad times, and all of a sudden, as a society, they started having to to hustle a little bit more, so to speak, right? We have that that term, hustle economy. Not not quite sure how I feel about that term, but at the same time, uh, that spurred the sharing economy, right, so companies such as Uber, Lyft, and Airbnb, which I I believe is gonna go IPO in 2020. So that creates challenges, at least in my case, uh, one of the, the companies that I had created back in 2009, was actually acquired later that year by a company uh, that provided, uh, uh, you know, uh, advertising and so forth to to kind of these these weekly and monthly uh, publishers. And next thing I know, uh, their funding dried up, and I was in talks uh, with private equity firms at that point to help uh, help the company that acquired me get acquired. Right. So. Right. So, so uh, you know, being an entrepreneur psychologically is really hard, and uh, you know, and there and there's there's really interesting stats on that. Whether I, I think you know, entrepreneurs as a whole are likely to suffer from depression three times uh, more so than the average, and 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 so when you kind of bring all these other kind of forces at hand, it 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 just makes it that much more difficult. So. Uh, you know, I'm pretty fortunate in, in the sense that I, I've been through it. I understand it. Uh, and, you know, when I talk with companies, startup companies uh, that, that I work with there, you know, I can feel that pain
1: a little bit and the pain is real. Right. So. Uh, it Does a CEO at this point, is, is he, uh, you're and you're talking to some folks out there in the world and they're in startups are is, is it, is denial and delayed action is that really the biggest mistake that a CEO can make at this point?
0: Yeah, so I think it's really important to look at yourself in the mirror, and because this is how this these are kind of moments that define you, whether it's personally or professionally. And in, in the case of startups, it's also about kind of conceptualizing who you are as an organization now and moving forward, right? Because you know. So a lot of these, you know, when you have this kind of crisis acceleration and these structural changes that create opportunity, uh, for certain companies, uh, startups specifically, they they may be able to be more reactive and responsive uh, to those situations, assuming they have the appropriate runway or they may be pivoting based on the fact that they want to conserve runway. But I I think in in certain cases that actually sparks uh, a lot more creativity in the process. So, so I think there are, you know, advantageous means to being uh, in in the, in this environment, in this situation. Uh, Robert, I may be guilty of having my my glass half full uh, in life, but You know, at the same time, I think you have to progress and move forward, but conceptualizing who you are as an organization now and moving forward while simultaneously trying to be reactive uh, in the existing environment as well as investors, right? Depending on whom they are. Uh, In certain cases, uh, you know, investors may not have runway themselves or, you know, may not deploy the amount of risk capital in this environment that may be necessary to allow some of these uh, opportunities to come to fruition.
1: Uh, yeah, I was gonna, if, I, yeah. I was just gonna ask I was gonna ask you about investors. It, it must it's it's a hard time for them too, I guess. It's not like I mean they have more money than the startup guy has, but they still don't have infinite cash. So that must put them in a bad place.
0: Yeah, I mean everyone has runway, right, Robert, whether it's whether it's you personally, as a startup or as an investor. And you know, in these situations, it becomes more about solvency and, and capital uh, preservation at that point, at, as a at, from any constituent viewpoint. So yeah, so it, it is challenging for the investors as well. What I what I've seen, and, and I don't want to speak on behalf of I mean every investor by in any means, but from those who I've I've spoken to, um, this is kind of a, a really uh, a watershed moment to actually look at the opportunity, and once again you know, those those economic, social, political, psychographic, structural changes that are, are are occurring, but also kind of being mindful of timing, right? So because timing matters a lot. Uh, if you're going to create, you know, an autonomous uh, transportation mode to go to Mars, uh, that may be a good idea, but the timing's completely off at the moment, right? So, and, uh, but while timing matters quite a bit, uh, it, it's all kind of interconnected within the startup's uh, ecosystem. So it would be somewhat simplistic just to look at timing as a whole. Uh, and, and if you're actually, if you're if you're in a complete reactive mode, Robert, uh, and the mainstream media is talking about it or, you know, entrepreneur magazine has a cover story on it or your neighbor is talking about it for, for that sake, uh, there's probably a high probability that you've already missed uh, that opportunity.
1: Are there are there hard questions that that startups and, and maybe even small business owners need to be asking themselves right now when they're looking in the mirror at themselves?
0: Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I, I mean, when you're building a company, you have various stakeholders at the table who rely on you right? Whether it's an investor relying on you for a return, whether it's employees relying on you for their their livelihood. And you're ultimately probably going to be faced with, well, how do I manage all those expectations while also managing the additional stress and not reacting uh, too hard and not staying in that reactive state? So it's already stressful enough to, to ramp up product market fit. You know, once you've raised funding, and I assume most people, it's probably the best idea to raise funding when you get to that point to really, you know, uh, focus on sales growth. But at that point, it it becomes a real challenge for you uh, as a CEO of a a startup to to manage all those expectations, including your home life expectations right now, right? A lot of us have, have gone into working virtually at this point in time. And, uh, you know, for some, uh, that in and of itself leads to some challenges. But for other uh, startups who have to be lean, have to be nimble, uh, you know, because they don't have the capital, uh, so to speak, uh, may already be running virtual operations. And, you know, therefore, this really hasn't changed the game too much except from a, you know, customer preservation uh, aspect.
1: And then at, at some point, um, these companies need to develop what I think is referred to as a lifeboat strategy. Can you can you explain what that means?
0: Yeah. So um, <laughs> yeah. So effectively, you know, this gets once again. This gets right back to uh, you know the the runway uh, burn rate question, right? Uh, it's really difficult because your net burn rate is probably negative if you're in a high growth startup situation and all of a sudden if you start losing, you know, and if your projections are of, you know, X percent customer growth and then all of a sudden, you know, the crisis acceleration happens, uh, so to speak, and your net burn goes from X to 4X overnight, well then, you know, I mean, the simple math will tell you that all of a sudden your runway is is drastically reduced. And, and, and so how do you manage that, uh, and mitigate that in a way to get through the the crisis uh, while, uh, you know, still uh, keeping your eyes on on the ball, so to speak in in terms of of actually uh, executing on your business model.
1: So lifeboat strategy refers to like, if I'm, if I'm going to, if I'm if I'm if I'm gonna get in the boat, what do I need to take with me? What's the minimum minim, the, the minimum thing I need to take with me? I guess like how do I how do I stay alive uh, and still be able to function? And what what do I need to jettison? Is that is that a fair assessment?
0: Yeah, and, and I, I certainly uh, I, I certainly you know this isn't obviously a, a good situation, but at the same time you know, there is opportunity here, right? So in this case, uh, you know, if you look at uh, – there's – there's at least from an incumbent perspective, uh, you know, this could be a really troubling time, right? But from an entrant startup perspective, there's a, there's a lot of unintended consequences that are going to emerge based off these structural changes right now that I think are going to disintermediate Certain industries, right? And, and you know, as an example, if you look at the sharing economy, so to speak, uh, you know, if you were, you know, what it was kind of a secret 10 years ago, right? You know, it was a kind of a fundamental truth, as, as kind of somebody like Peter Thiel would, would, would mention uh, around, you know, something that fundamentally a lot of people don't agree with you on, right? But now it's become acceptable. So, you know, if, if Robert, if, if your kids had uh, come up to you 10 years ago and said, hey, uh, I'm, I'm going to actually be at a sleepover this weekend, so I'm just going to rent my room out to a stranger. <laughs> or, I don't actually need a ride because I'm actually going to, uh, you know, have a stranger pick me up. Uh, 10 years ago, you would have laughed, uh, you know, and, and 10 years later, uh, that, that happens all the time, right? So, so <laughs> yes, some of these that's great. fundamental truths start emerging, but these unintended consequences, so, I mean, you know, if you look at, like, the web browser, right, I mean, that created, you know, social, right, like Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, it created Amazon, uh, which enabled, uh, in, which which disintermediated retail, right, you look at, you know, Wikipedia, Twitter, and, and different ways of content dissemination, which disintermediate newspapers and so forth, and and, and, and so the question becomes, as, as psychographics change based off these structural changes, uh, you know, what are the opportunities there uh, that will, and the unintended consequences involved with those opportunities that will create this intermediation, and enable startups to actually capitalize on, on, on you know, total addressable markets right, that didn't even exist five years
1: ago? So you're, you're, <laughs> I'm seeing disaster, and you're seeing opportunities.
0: Yeah, I mean, if we don't continue to progress, Robert, in these times and these circumstances, uh, you know, what are we doing, right? So you know, and it's kind of like when when everyone wants to deploy capital, you're probably at the end of a cycle, right? So. And and, and, but ironically, uh, when capital preservation mode is on, this is probably uh, when you want to deploy capital. So it almost reminds me of the uh, it will definitely reminds me of the Warren Buffett quote, right, where, um, you know, uh, when people are fearful, be greedy and when people are greedy, be fearful. Right. So, uh, you know, so cycles play out human be, be, but human behavior never fundamentally seemingly never fundamentally changes. Uh, the games and rules just evolve over time. And, and how do you evolve with those games and rules? I mean, building a company, it's really a game at the end of the day, right? And, and, and the rules do evolve over time. Uh, you know, so when you talk about optimism versus pep- uh, pessimism, either way, you need to adapt, uh, especially given limited time and resources of startups.
1: Now, how much do you think, because it's not like, you know, when the market crashed in, what, 2008, um, that was one thing. The market was bad and businesses all started got nervous about everything and investors got nervous about everything. But the whole idea that you can't meet with people, you can't meet face to face, like is that how big a factor is that going to be in the fundraising and even just for onboarding and hiring and, and just even for startups building a culture?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think people evolve with these situations, Right. I mean, when you talk about face-to-face interaction, uh, Robert, we both work uh, in education, right? We we see students all the time, uh, and hopefully, we we'll get to see them in person again fairly soon. Uh, you know, when, when we walk past them in the halls, we don't even we observe them doing what they're they're on their they're they're fixated on their technology, right? And, <laughs> right. And it, right. you can see different behaviors and things already occurring as a result. Uh, I think as technology mediums change, it, this just evolves over time. But Robert, one thing that you brought up that I think is really important is culture. Uh, you know, a company's culture is usually created within the first hundred employees. Uh, and, you know, that's still, that starts at the top. And I think as startups are going through this, this time, uh, they need to be mindful uh, of culture, uh, but they also need to kind of put emotions to the side to a degree as well to make you know, good financial uh, and business model decisions.
1: And do you think on the other side of this, will it be a better time for startups or will it be hard to get your startup up and running?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about this overall, right? Uh, you know, if, if anyway, if anything, these nuclear winners that we talked about uh, have always, you know, have resulted in individuals who might have maybe otherwise not taken the risk to to take the risk. Uh, Though I view entrepreneurship and and my own experiences, I'm always trying to de-risk, right? And and, and so I think that's what you're seeing a lot of startup entrepreneurs as well as investors doing right now. But uh, quite frankly, uh, I think opportunities will be there uh, and investors who have the runway to take advantage of these, of, of the nu- of these nuclear winners generally do really well. And, and so that might sound somewhat contrarian uh, because we're kind of in this reactive, you know, um, you know, uh, fight or flight type mentality right now. Right. But, uh, but once again, it, it goes back to, you uh, know, it goes back to understanding cycles and, and understanding when to deploy capital during those cycles. Uh, I do, I do generally think that uh, creativity, uh, you know, because you have to be leaner uh, and, and reactive to those structural uh, changes in, in crisis, uh, do enable new ways of thinking and, and do uh, enable people to kind of create that more lean mentality, right? So. So, so I personally, I get it. I I'm I'm certainly not excited by the circumstances, though I'm excited by the the resiliency and, and reactivity of of entrepreneurs, uh, you know, to to be opportunistic and to fundamentally change uh, our environment in, in a in a in a better, more effective, more efficient way.
1: Let me talk about CEOs one more time. Um, how, how should they is there a special way or, or in your experience, um, is there a, a method for that C- CEOs should be using to handle their, their staff? I mean, we've been talking about the money and about the business ideas, but we haven't really talked about the, the people that are involved and the people that have you know moved, moved to take a chance in this startup and invested in this startup, whether you know, emotionally, at the very least, Financially, maybe even. Is there is there tips for CEOs at this point that, that you would uh, like to see them do to, yeah. as far as handling people?
0: So from startup CEOs I've spoken to re- recently, my, my biggest advice, Robert, has been be honest. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with them, right? Because this is their lives at stake as well. But, you know, you've got to be honest and, and make those hard decisions. Uh, it, it's kind of like hiring somebody... Uh, and not firing them fast enough if they're not a good fit, right? Because it, it only creates more problems and, and issues and is more costly later on. Uh, so in this case, uh, you know, it's pretty simple. Be honest about where you're at, uh, what you need to do to, to, you know, have that lifeboat, as you said, Robert, and, and you know, and, and go from there, right? I mean, you, you certainly building a startup is not about making everyone happy all the time in fact uh, it can be quite miserable sometimes right I mean if if, if if everyone if it was so easy everyone would be doing it um, though everyone would have the same haircut I have
1: which is not much hair I might mention
0: yeah I mean you know I like to say that's by choice but <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's really it's stressful but I, you know you see it all too often where where you know emotions uh, can potentially get in the way right of, of making these hard decisions um, Ben Horowitz wrote a great book called the hard things about hard things which I would recommend you and, and you know everyone who listens to this to read uh, it talks it talks specifically about this uh, you know uh, make the, make the tough decisions uh, but make them fast right because quite frankly you just don't have the time and resources to you know, to dance around it. And, and I would say that in a crisis or non-crisis situation, you know, I, I kind of view, at least in my own experiences, building a startup as almost like crisis situation every day, right? Um, you know, there, there's a the great quote of, you know, entrepreneurship's kind of like, you know, jumping off a building and, and learning how to build a plane on the way down. And, and I think it's really true, right? So... Uh and, and, but it, that's like every day.
1: So that's a perfect perfect place to end, Josh. Thank you so Excellent. much. So my guest today has been Josh Eric. He's got degrees in economics, poli sci and history, all from Lehigh. You're truly a company man, I see, Josh. This podcast is brought to you by Illuminate, the Lehigh Business blog. To hear more podcasts featuring Lehigh Business Thought Leaders, visit us at business.edu news. And follow us on Twitter at Lehigh Business. Thanks for listening.